0: Hello and welcome back to part 2 of True Grit Down Under, a Thigh Gap special on the Border Gavaskar Test Series 20. Twenty-one. Uh, my name is Bogus Noog, and I'm joined by my co-host, P Broad. And like I mentioned, this is the part two. So if you're listening to this first, make sure you catch up with the first part where we covered context surrounding the beginning of the test series and the Ad- Adelaide test itself. And then what happened after that, decoding the 36 All Out. There's a lot of great stuff on there. And also remember that you can reach us on mindthygap at gmail.com. Follow us on our socials. Instagram at underscore Thigh gap and Twitter at Thigh gap and let us know what you think. All right, brute. welcome back to the part two of the great special we're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, Bogus, the honor is yours for having me here. So please tell me, tell please. me tell me for once okay tell me how are you feeling
0: this is what i'll tell you bro. one of the biggest reasons why someone should even spare time to listen to this yeah. series Please. is over the uh, multiple paths that we're going to do in this special you will see that we're going to cover and talk about things that were not really covered in depth yeah uh, by others
1: they didn't do justice
0: and there were a lot of important things, significant things that were left unsaid mm-hmm. from the Indian side, from the Australian context yep. that would have great impact for both countries in the coming days.
1: And that is why I think we need to go straight to the topic.
0: Absolutely. So uh, we're done with Adelaide Brute.
1: Yep. Yep. We decoded 36. We decoded 36. And we went a little forward also. We kind of went in a little deep. I think the last point that we discussed was what were the Australians thinking? Yeah. I mean, right?
0: you brought up the point that, okay. appreciate the point first of all it was a great point Uh, guys if you want to hear the appreciation go back to the (laughs) part one where I definitely did appreciate this point but the point itself was it's well and good and natural to ask how India processed being all out for 36 but then you have to ask how did Australia process that that kind (laughs) of a victory a freak victory which even they knew they won from behind after pretty much being
1: uh, Why, why can't you use like proper sentences what do you mean by won from behind
0: because you know India was a ahead in terms of yeah sessions i know one.
1: but that behind thing you don't you don't have to be vulgar like that no it, it, they they won they came from the downside of advantage you Brood, can put let, it like that. let's
0: let's give it proper credit it was vulgar in all senses i mean your friends did not even want to discuss it with you after the test ended uh so you can understand
1: yeah, it, it it was well vul- i mean like i don't know it,
0: i mean, it okay, had I mean had a vulgar let's not effect.
1: go back into it yeah okay we've already said what we had to say i've said enough about 36 I'm not speaking about 36 anymore no I don't want to hear the word 36 again 36 the number 36 the number 36 Okay, it's not a word first of all 36 36 is not a word however it's a number okay Uh so I'm not going back to 36 okay 36 is out of the table it's not 36 is not the topic anymore
0: we're coming on to the Melbourne test boxing day test which is one of the biggest sporting events in Australia yes and everyone's expecting that this is where Australia will start to roll over Uh, And it's a fair expectation. Fair and reasonable expectation. Not because
1: of 36. No Mohamed Shami. Virat Kohli left home. Huge, huge problems at the opening level. Mm -hmm. Both the openers didn't work for us. And we are having two debutants coming into the test.
0: And also the momentum after winning the first test in a series. Yeah,
1: momentum is your take. Uh, But yeah, Momentum.
0: So let's start off first by summarizing the Melbourne test as a whole. What stood out for you? So why don't you go ahead and give the us The
1: first thing that stood out for me is India was extremely lucky in losing the toss. Because I'm sure everybody going into the Melbourne test only remembered the Melbourne pitch which was played on last series. Yeah. Which was like a dead rubber pitch, right? So that was the first thing. India were extremely lucky. They started riding their luck right from the toss. The second thing is horrible batting from Australia in the first innings. Uh, According to me, no starts. None of them settled. Steve Smith still not fired. Got out on a duck to make it worse.
0: Well, let's go into detail a little bit later.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm just covering it up, right? But basically, the first innings, Australians played horrible cricket overall. Mohamed Siraj really impressed me in his first outing. Then comes, obviously, the most talked about point about that that test match Ajinka rahan is amazing century mm-hmm. only ironically he got out by a run out uh, which was a funny part but what stood out for me all through the Melbourne test was the contribution of Ravinder Jadeja. Mm-hmm. a very gritty 50 in the first innings right. picked some really crucial wickets he got out a well settled Matthew Wade uh, in the second innings He's, mm-hmm. it was around 40 or something got him out right after tea or lunch or something like that which started the Australian collapse in the second innings by the way and again typical Ravinder Jadeja took some good catches mm-hmm. for his standard might be simple but nevertheless so on paper he took some 2-3 catches he picked about 3 wickets and he scored a very important 50 lower down the order so that was a big highlight for me the coming of age of Ravinder Jadeja as a true all-rounder that test was a testimony for him he I think put a lot of doubt to rest that were going around him saying that is he a consistent player can he deliver in all 3 departments consistently or will he compromise on one department for the sake of other etc etc And also as an add-on, I would also give a lot of credit to both the debutants. Shubman Gill, unbelievably smooth opening batting. He showed what an opening batsman should be playing like. And Mohamed Siraj, what a player.
0: And from the Australian side, their bowling continued to be a worry for them. Uh, Sorry, their batting continued to be a worry for them. Their bowling continued to be a plus point for them. Worryingly for India, they seem to still have Pujara's number. They seem to still be able to get him out before he got settled in, even in this match.
1: me, how it looked like from the Australian side, I think they focused so much on Virat Kohli and Pujara because they were the guys who basically dismantled the Australian bowling attack the last series, yeah, right, single-handedly. So I think they put a lot of onus on them and in, in a way they didn't know who they were bowling to also. Prithvi Shah, Mayank Agarwal, you know, batsmen were coming in and going out. Mm-hmm. There was nobody who played consistently. So I think that is what was working in the favour of India. The new batsmen were kind of unsettling them and the few edges that they were getting the fielders were not doing a great job oh by the way melbourne the fielding of australia was oh my god unlike australian fielding so all those things kind of created that result But what it definitely did at the end of the test match was, I mean, this is my personal take. I was like, okay, this somewhere something doesn't seem to be right. At that point, I was not able to put my finger on whether it's amazing Indian playing or was there a lackluster Australian play.
0: All right, so that's a summary view of the Melbourne test as a whole, but now let's start picking it apart. So, we have the toss, which we were very lucky to lose. And uh, the pitch did not turn out as we expected. It was a drop-in pitch that was bouncing well, it was spinning well, and Australia started batting first and of course Joe Burns is just having the worst series ever
1: but once again see you know how I look at Joe Burns is I think he played really decently well before see again I'm not quite sure about his record but if you ask me they should have given him some more time being the only specialist opener they should have given him some more time just like how they did with Steve Smith again Steve Smith comes with a different caliber altogether but you gotta show faith in your players right same thing with Matthew Wade for me he opened the first 10 Second innings, he comes down somewhere. They just didn't treat their players well overall. And I felt it was a lot of desperation in the Australian camp. You know, there's a desperation to make something work. It was not even a desperation to win. Generally, that's the kind of desperation you see in the Australian camp, right? They're just like those hook and crook, just win the game kind of a player. Right. And this time around, it was just like, they're just trying to be desperate for something to work. Just like one ploy or one strategy to fall in its place. And unfortunately for them, nothing was falling in the place.
0: Now, I agree with you when it comes to showing patience for Matthew Wade, but Joe Bones really seemed out of place for some reason.
1: The reason why I say that, if I can just justify it, Mm -hmm. Joe Bones, he got out like four innings, right? Yeah. Two innings out of those four innings, he got
0: out to a screamer of a
1: ball. It was not like he threw his wicket away, especially the Melbourne second innings ball where he got out for Umesh Shadow. The ball which kind of pitched almost on middle stump and then it went over off stump. And also considering Umesh Shadow how he was bowling up till that point in the series, you expect the ball to go down the leg side. But I think Umesh was kind of getting into his element right then. And he was getting the ball to move. And maybe also it was the Melbourne pitch. I don't know. But that's the reason. That's the only reason I would have given a benefit of doubt to Joe Bones and said, OK, fine. If you can navigate through those five or six tough balls that you will get, I think you have a chance to play a decent inning. So you got to make this work.
0: I agree that in none of the wickets that Joe Bones got out to, he threw away his wicket but at the same time if you look at it from the other side his wicket was being taken from him quite easily no it was
1: not quite easily again like I said see they're good balls that's what extremely good balls
0: I mean they're good balls you have to give credit to the to the
1: ballers that's what I'm saying
0: I'm giving credit to the ballers yeah but the fact is that these ballers with the skill they had they didn't have to really wait too long to get him out mm -hmm. you know he was getting out he they were able to take his wickets and that's the reason why I feel that it was not such a a wrong call to take him out because in the end, he was replaced by Pukowski, who actually played yeah, pretty well. Yeah, but
1: Pukowski well. should have been... I think he was injured and that's the reason he didn't yeah, play he him was. earlier. But yeah, now that Pukowski... 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 Now that Pukov was not there, <laughs> they should have as well continued with him. But okay, fine, fair enough.
0: So what you had was Wade got a start, Travis Head got a start, um, Labushin got a start, but it just was not sticking. Like, they were not able to stick.
1: They didn't look settled. Yeah. You know, when you play about 40-odd balls, you look settled. You don't look like a guy who's still kind of trying to figure out how the pitch is playing.
0: And credit to the bowlers again. Credit for to that. the bowlers.
1: Like, that's why I'm saying, like, Bumrah, obviously, he's going through a purple patch. And I hope it continues. Siraj, replacing Mohamed Shami, did absolute justice to that replacement. Yeah. He bowled amazingly well. He might have given that one-odd loose ball here and there. But hey, Umesh Shadav is a bigger culprit than Siraj. If you ask me, mm-hmm. always consistently gives that one loosener, one over pitch outside the off stump, or one going down the leg side. Yeah, you had Ashwin and Jadeja bowling really well. Yeah. made the best use of the pitch if you ask me and which was the contrast on the other side where Nathan Lyon playing his close to 100 test match and close to 400 odd wickets mm-hmm. Nathan Lyon was not able to do what these guys were doing
0: yeah the kind of adaptability that we saw from the Indian side yeah. which is oh this is a drop-in pitch it is spinning and bouncing and there is a bit of moisture let's get Ashwin on early Yeah, you know those kinds of on-the-spot decisions were not visible from the Australians throughout Melbourne I mean they just didn't go for the Jag- Okay. You would have seen Australian
1: team pouncing on these kind of situations. Mm-hmm. And on the hindsight, at the end of the test match, when I looked back and I was just trying to think that something was off. I just didn't, at that point, I, like I was telling, I didn't know what exactly was off. It was not like India played bad. Yeah. But it definitely looked like Australia played bad. They didn't cross 200. The second innings, they just touched like the 200 mark. Right. And in Melbourne, the first team batting is known to score that big heavy score and put pressure on the chasing team. Right? Yeah. That's how it played out. But for some reason Australia failed to do that and that was the same case even in the first test, if you if you think of it. They really didn't score that big 300 or 400 as a team.
0: Yeah, right. exactly. And that's why, that's the reason why I still didn't feel or I still didn't see the signs that we saw by the end of GABA, Yeah, which is something is off in this Australian team. Yeah. Because of what had happened in Adelaide with their batting, similar things were happening with their batting in Melbourne. Right. And right. in the second innings, it was only Cameron Green and the tail that really worked to get that total up to 200. Yeah, but otherwise the premier batting uh, lineup the failed. Bundle
1: out for hundred runs, less than hundred runs
0: failed even worse than the first yeah. innings. Yeah, and you call the first innings a collapse. Imagine what the second innings like was. Both both innings, like both innings was. were yeah. batting collapses.
1: Ninety for five in the first innings, I think approximately around that score. Yeah, ninety for six in the second innings, around ninety. I'm not saying the exact ninety. There and there about. <clears> yeah. yeah, less than hundred. At hundred there were six wickets. Yeah, basically, right. Yes, there is a complaint that hey team Payne's decision was here and there. But that's a part of the game. If that is the case, then all the other batsmen got a lot more lives due to that fucking umpire's call shit, Mm. right?
0: Well, there were two instances and we'll get to umpire's call in a bit.
1: Yeah, but I'm just telling that Australia has nobody to blame for their batting collapse. And for me, it is a collapse. Your batsmen are bundled out for less than 100 runs. In my books, that's a batting collapse.
0: And at the end of the day, who were they really banking on in their batting lineup? They were banking on Smith, they were banking on Manas Labushin, yeah. and they were banking on Tim Payne to an extent. And what happens, Smith, like you said, fails both innings. Labushin in the first innings gets to a 48, but then is denied a 50 yep. by Indian bowling attack. Siraj, first and debut uh, wicket. Yeah, and then in the second innings, he gets out about a 28. Yeah.
1: Once again, I think Siraj, beautiful ball, gets caught in a slip.
0: And Tim Payne, you know, just comes up short in both innings again. He's not able to put up that sort of uh, innings or even time on the field. It was not possible for him. So that was pretty much the Australian batting. And the bowling, as we know, still is what carried them to whatever extent they went to. But India are now anticipating or waiting to see what the replacement of Prithvi Shaw looks like and how that translates to the series. Yeah. And then Shubman Gil walks in.
1: Oh, sweet lord.
0: Tell me about Shubman Gill. This yeah. fellow, Brut. Hear me,
1: please. Bogus, please. Listen to me. You know how I saw Shuman Gill. He was a more compact and a more technical version of Virenza Seval. I mean, he was not defending the ball too much. He was still attacking the ballers. He went for his shots. In fact, I think after his first innings dismissal in the press conference, he was like, I feel bad because I missed out on a scoring opportunity because right. I felt I could score on that ball. Right. And that's a great attitude to have uh, right up top. Yeah. Right? Being an opening batsman in a test scenario. Yeah. Technically supremely sound. He can change gears really quickly, which is a very difficult thing to do in test match Mm -hmm. right not a lot of batsmen unless of very high caliber do that and even in this you know about 100 odd chase or whatever we chased in the second innings mm-hmm. he almost went run a ball yeah right he scored like 39-40 or something of about 44-45 balls like give or take that's great intent scene right there the thing that I noticed the most which I which I liked the most it didn't look like he was playing his first test match
0: yeah I was just you going know? to say the same thing
1: he was so comfortable at the crease he was so confident he was not kind of taken over by the, the occasion important, the occasion right he just was feeling so comfortable there and it was so pleasant to watch also oh his pull is by the way like one of the beautiful sweetest pull i've seen where it's not like a full-fledged like follow-through and all it kind of like jabs it yeah. a little yeah and pulls it almost like wide of long on which is like a really tough shot to play that
0: so, and also his back foot drive punch, shots, yeah the punch shots, oh beautiful
1: so in general he looked a lot more compact he didn't look like a guy who would give you a wicket easily he didn't look twenty-one. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of things he didn't do, which were good for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, just the body language, completely unfazed by the occasion. And what we also have to factor in is that, by all accounts, yeah, Melbourne as a ground is supposed to be one of the most intimidating grounds yep. for a player to step into. Yeah, forget playing, yep. just step into. It's a
1: huge ground. It's, it's a, a huge ground,
0: ground, and it's an amphitheater kind yeah. of a feel to it. And it's a Boxing Day Test match, and you're beginning your Test career in that. Situation situation against one of the best bowling attacks it's, in the world.
1: It, I mean come on it's a 90000 capacity ground. Yeah and yeah. and even with like limited audience there were about 25 30000 people yeah. watching the test match in the ground. Yeah. That's like our Upal Stadium's capacity or half of Upal Stadium's capacity. So yeah I mean like just
0: the reassured body language throughout yeah. and it's not just his cricketing shots. And not just the fact that he was not throwing his wicket away for a young guy. It's also the body language and the maturity that he showed yeah, yeah. in how he was playing. Stablehead. Especially for a team like Australia who pay a lot of attention and focus to that intimidation factor. Yeah.
1: The, what do you call that? Disintegration. Mental, mental disintegration.
0: disintegration factor and yeah. all that. None of that seemed to be affecting this guy. This was a guy in his early 20s playing like he was 33 years old. Yeah. And he was a tenured batsman and that was just oh, the feeling as in Indian fan to watch that. It was like drinking water. It was like so... (laughs) safe
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's such a you know the only time that I really got pissed off with him I think it was uh, Matthew Wade's wicket or something so the ball goes up in the air yeah and there's Ravinder Jadeja it's Matthew Wade uh, Rabindr, of Ashwin yeah, of Ashwin Ravinder Jadeja going for the catch yeah and the Gill with his long legs tries to come close and almost he dives
0: and he almost he you know, collides with he Jadeja coll- he almost in the yeah, shoulder kind of collides he with actually collides with him in the shoulder but Jadeja somebody somehow,
1: should have gone up to Shubman held his collar like if there is Jadeja on that side of the field you don't go to the ball like you let Jadeja do what he's good at I guess (laughs) that was
0: yeah I guess that was the only moment his youth kind of showed the exudence yeah
1: I mean it's experience
0: because Jadeja had get
1: them when they are young yeah. Like, you know, when Jedeja is on the field, you give 40% of the field to him. Yeah. Even the ball doesn't, shouldn't go there. That's what the batsmen are trying to do. Yeah. Like, don't send the ball towards Jadeja. Yeah.
0: Right? And the fact of the matter was that Jadeja had also claimed the catch like before he was catching it. But yeah. Gill was just, yeah. you know, he Yeah. Was,
1: I think the occasion got to him like, Oh, I'm going to get a catch. Like, he just catch. wanted to catch the yeah. ball. You he know? wanted to prove that he's like an agile, a- athletic fielder and all.
0: Yeah. And when it all came down to, all things considered in the Melbourne test, mm-hmm. you know, the batting versus the bowling, bowling versus batting, etc. Yeah. The one differentiating factor in this test, of course, was Ajinkya Rahane and his century. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah. have to be, we need to address the elephant of the match. Yeah. Rahane's innings. I think... F- Rahane was kind of dry on runs for a bit. Right. Surprisingly, he has the highest number of uh, centuries from India in the World Series, Test World Series. Mm-hmm. I think he and Mayank Agarwal are the joint uh, whatever. But having said that, he was kind of not look in his element. Mm-hmm. The other thing from a match perspective, it was important for somebody, you know, from the Indian batting to just stand up and say, you know what? We don't have to be worried about these polos. You know, we can take them on. We will take our chances with them. Rahane showed his experience while playing and made sure he converted that into a big century. Right? Yeah,
0: and we generally look to Pujara for that kind of a exactly exactly yeah or impact.
1: Yeah, you we we are all you know we are all victims of uh, over expectations. From the same player, we were not even looking at Rahane. Yeah, to be very honest, I think if anybody says that no, no, we were expecting Rahane to score a century, no. he, he is lying through his teeth. Yeah, nobody was looking at Rahane to make the score. We were all looking at Pujara. We were all probably looking at a uh, a punt to come and score a quick fired eighteen or whatever.
0: And the fact that he rode his luck on it a little bit as well. Australians dropped him, gave him yeah, chances, probably. Yeah. He made complete um, use of that opportunity.
1: Maybe that also plays a lot in the batsman's right? When the batsman nicks that one ball and by the time he realizes the catch is dropped, the batsman might go back and like, it's my day. Yeah. You know what? I want to go for that extra shots that I would otherwise not go.
0: Now imagine if they give you a couple more chances.
1: <laughs> yeah, and for the, for all it cares, like they gave like it's three like, chances. Oh, so, I'm,
0: I'm the Manas Labushen of the yeah, day. <laughs>
1: especially the Travis hit. That, that was the worst drop I've yeah, seen. unbelievable. I don't know how he managed to drop that. Rahane literally started, almost he was kind Kind of like walking away to the pavilion when he saw the ball loop like that.
0: I don't even know if you can say he dropped it because the ball literally pounced out of his hands.
1: Yeah, that I, or maybe it was, the it was Jadeja. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jadeja was like, bitch, get out. Get out of the hands. Like I, You are only going to be caught by me. So it was Jadeja's like, yeah, voodoo. Because Jadeja was the non-striker, if you remember. Yeah, right? yeah. So Jadeja was like, Mm-mm, no, baby. <laughs>
0: Speaking of factors why the Rahane century was important, you mentioned one of them where you also mentioned that no one was really looking at Rahane, yeah. which I completely agree with. Uh, but the second factor why Rahane was being looked at, not because of expectation out of his batting, but... Oh, they got bundled in Adelaide for 36. Mm -hmm. Virat Kohli is leaving. Rahane is going to be captain. This is his first captaincy. In the series. In the series. And how is that going to pan out for the team? Yeah. What is he going to do? How is he going to...
1: React to the situation.
0: Or just register his presence as a captain?
1: How will he earn respect of his team?
0: And in such a situation, he comes around and he makes a century, which is not only just any other century, it was the match-winning century.
1: Would you say that... This is something that is going in my head. I'm right. sorry to cut you off, mm-hmm. but you deserve to be. I felt it was more of a baller's win. More than Rahane's century. Mm-hmm. Say if Rahane scored a 70, we would have been like, what, 30 runs less? And uh, they got bundled out for 200 in the second innings. Mm-hmm. And we had to score like, what, 90 runs? 75-90 runs, right? yeah. give or take. So if Rahane scored only 70, didn't get that century, and say that catch was taken by Travis Head, we would have had an extra 30-run lead. So we had to score 120, okay. right? So we would have still won the match because we won with by eight wickets, right? Mm-hmm. So even if we had 30 more to score from that point, we would have probably won that match still.
0: I mean, from my perspective, the difference is not just purely mathematical. I'll also factor in the psychological impact of a test century on Australian soil against an attack where they made 50s with great difficulty in that Melbourne test. Forget about even getting close to a century. If anyone was getting to a 50, it was a big deal for them and you have not just, an Indian batsman making a century, but the captain, the new stand-in captain is making a century. Yeah,
1: from a team's perspective it makes sense.
0: But which team are we talking about? I'm from India. Also
1: Australia. No, correct. But let's start with India. The team already had Rahane's respect. Why? The way he set the fielding, right. how he managed his bowlers, he didn't give a lot of overs to Umesh Jadav, he didn't give a lot of overs to Jedeja. Mm. He was clear that Bumra will pick my wickets, Ashwin will pick my wickets and the rest of the wickets, whatever are left, will be among these three. Right. So he, it looked like he had a clear game plan yeah. and it also looked like the team accepted that game plan. From the Australian standpoint, they already had a collapse again, this is on the hindsight, right? They're already not looking in their element, Mm. though they had that miraculous win in Adelaide. Mm. So, even if that 30-40 runs were there, I agree that, you know, a century would make a lot of difference, correct? But there were still two more matches to go and neither did they score a century. Not only that, none of them looked like scoring a century. Yeah. The only guy who could have given them a century was Steve Smith before the start of the series. Labushain was a distant second. Yeah. But in reality, what happened up till that point, Steve Smith didn't even cross double digits single digits Labushin was getting out in 40s though he was looking a little settled or like probably a little more fluid Mm -hmm. he just couldn't cross that 50 mark so in that way if I look at it you know we are not losing too much but crediting that century to be the winning century I have my thoughts on that I am saying more than the century what won us the match was the bowlers taking 20 wickets you
0: no, know. but I think that was the difference in terms of not just score, but also just the psychological impact because it's not like their bowling was any bad. You know, they were taking our wickets as well. Barring a few batsmen, a couple of batsmen that stood up and played well, Gil, Jadeja, Rahane, you know, who else Pujara. in Pujara Melbourne? A
1: 30 odd runs. Yeah, but that's
0: getting equalized by another Australian batsman's contribution.
1: Yeah, which is another point. All it takes is that one or two batsmen to score more. Even if you see the rest of the series, there was only Smith and Labushain who actually performed.
0: No, no, let's not go to the rest of the series. Okay. If we look at everything on both sides, they were kind of equalizing themselves. It's not like India was making a huge lead over an Australian collapse. Correct. So, ultimately, yes, the bowlers were the change factor, but their bowling was also not that bad. Which is fair. In Melbourne. So
1: still, the pitch played its part right yeah so again what was the weak link in their bowling
0: so nathan lion yeah
1: lion who's our spinners did a great job yeah they really used the pitch well cummins bowled well stark bowled well hazelwood bowled well no taking away from that mm. but look at the number of overs nathan lion bowled and he didn't get proper wickets that's where indian batsmen kind of capitalized in our bowling attack, the reason why I appreciate Mohamed Siraj so much is he was the only weak link. He was a new guy. But still, he didn't leak runs. He didn't allow batsmen to settle.
0: I agree. But so
1: in that sense, for hmm. me, it was more of a baller's game, baller's win for me. And okay, I'm, I might be biased towards ballers also. I'm a baller. But I'm not taking away anything again from Rahane. My only thing is the way people are saying that it's a match-winning century. I don't know if it's a match-winning century.
0: Okay, I'm just trying to explain why I call it a match-winning century century it's undeniable that anytime you're having a result in a test match the bowlers have a big hand in it right because otherwise it's tough you've got to take those 20 wickets in order to have a force a result on a test match in most cases so if you just took Rahane's century out of the scoreboard and if you tallied batting versus batting wickets versus wickets on both sides yeah it was pretty much equalizing like there was no point where where india was really pushing the margin so far ahead of australia that it was a given I agree that Indian bowling was more, better than Australian bat, uh, bowling. Yeah. But it was not like their bowling was so far behind. It was just Lion who was the weak link. So
1: my point is this. If you had to take away Rahane's century, would you take away all the 100 runs or would you take some part of the 100
0: runs? Some part of the 100.
1: So how many runs would you give Rahane?
0: In order to equalize it with Australia, somewhere 20, 30 odd.
1: Come on. I would have given him at least a 50, 60 runs to equalize it. 50, 60... Say 40 runs.
0: Okay. But even by that logic, if you say 60 runs are. It remaining right. it's not just 60 runs that are remaining but how much time he played for those fair enough and how many balls absolutely he played Absolutely fair enough that also has an impact right?
1: absolutely fair enough but look at this they had a 70 run lead Still, they scored about 330 odd runs in the first innings. In Melbourne? Yeah, we scored 300 in Melbourne.
0: Oh, you're saying we, I said you. S- India, okay. we mean this, is not you and me. No, you said they, so I no, thought you we. were talking about Australia. No, no,
1: I said we, mm. okay? India still scored, so they were still around like upper side of the 200s. Mm. We still were having about say like 60, 70 runs of lead, right? Now, subtract that 60, 70 runs from the second innings total of Australia, mm. right? That's about 140. Anything below 200 as a fourth inning target we are winning that match, you know? That's how I'm making the math. I'm not saying that that century didn't make a statement. It has all the credibility that century has. Mm. All I'm saying is I might not, and it's a completely subjective take, Mm. right? I don't think we should spend too much. We already spent a lot of time on this. But I'm just saying that match-winning innings or match-winning century, I'm not quite sure. Okay. That's all. I rest my case, Your Honor.
0: Now, this match is also where we first started uh, seeing our bittersweet relationship with the DRS, umpire's call.
1: I'm not commenting. Why not? I hate, I hate what they've done with the DRS. I just I mean, it's don't not understand. like they did something new. It's no. just
0: that in this test, again and again, it came up, you know, where there was one of Ashwin's wickets where DRS showed it to be bouncing way above the stumps. Yeah. And it didn't look like that from... No,
1: so here is the point. That part I'll buy. Okay. I'll tell you why. So do you know how, what is the whole mechanism that goes behind DRS?
0: Please don't go into that now.
1: No. Can I just give like a one-liner?
0: I don't care. Okay, give a one-liner.
1: Okay, so the trajectory of the ball, Mm -hmm. how it is anticipated, is by taking more number of points to draw the line, draw the graph. So, essentially, back in the day, how it used to happen is they would not have multiple frames. So, today, what they are using for DRS specifically, it's a 300 frame per second camera. Okay. That's the number of points that you're getting per second, right? So, if you take half a second, you have 150 points to identify where the ball is moving. So, they have a better accuracy in terms of calculating the trajectory. That's all.
0: I don't buy it at all. And that was way more than one line, by the way. Um, Yeah, obviously. Because… There was no full stop in that line. It was way more than line but the reason why I don't buy it is because how, no matter how many points and how much slow motion and how much uh, how many equations you're cramming into a DRS situation to say that it is accurate, are you really factoring in for different pitches, different bounce on yeah. that day? So so how? even
1: even I was under the same impression but I've read upon it about how these things are actually working today okay. and apparently there are about I think 60 parameters that it takes into consideration, age of the ball the dampness of the wicket or the moisture in the air all those things and then it basically comes to the result of the trajectory or the simulation after hitting the pad
0: i find that so hard to believe like who's feeding in these values about dampness of the wicket values that are changing through the day
1: yeah so again see then yeah from that what you say is absolutely right you know day
0: one to day 5 as you know the pitch deteriorates yeah who's factoring all this into it isn't the umpire the best judge to say On this day, in this situation, (laughs) that ball would have bounced over the wicket or under the wicket? Apparently not. Yeah, apparently (laughs) not.
1: (laughs) Hence the DRS. The the thing is, I don't know. uh, Like I said, I don't have a problem with the trajectory. This game is of ifs and buts. So, I would give that benefit of doubt to the DRS. Okay, because I don't have another option. What I definitely do have a problem is if the DRS is predicting that, yeah, the ball will hit the wicket. Okay, right. Even if it just nicks the wicket. Mm. Technically, it's out. It should be. It should be. Yeah, because that's enough for the bail to fall. Anything more than 40% of the ball hitting the wicket, you should give it out. I don't know what is this 50% concept. You don't need half of the ball to hit the wicket for the bail to fall. Yeah. Especially with the LBW. And we saw
0: that in Melbourne itself. On two occasions.
1: Yeah, with Steve Smith. And with Hazelwood. With Hazelwood. Hazelwood, to come on, he left the the, the ball. He left. Yeah, right? he
0: left it, but it clipped. It, it just hit the bale and it flew off.
1: Yeah, but it was like, yeah, okay, fine. I'll yeah, even Hazelwood. You know, the wicket.
0: stumps do not move an inch. It's just the bale it hit and it flew yeah,
1: off. Yeah, okay, I'll give the Hazel Hazelwood wicket also. And Steve
0: Steve Smith's wicket where Bumrah got him from behind his legs.
1: Behind his legs, it just like kissed the stump. Like Bumrah didn't even see the bale falling. Yeah, like literally, he was like appealing till like his lungs gave out, and yeah. then somebody had to tap me like, by the way, bro, uh, it's a. Ball yeah so you know it takes away the beauty of the game it is taking away the beauty of the game and I'm speaking it from a standpoint of not being an Indian or anything because if if that rule was not there Pujar also would have been given out earlier in his innings at Sydney I mean yeah
0: Australia also had enough opportunities that went down correct
1: right so, it has to be black and white. You're yeah. using technology to give more accuracy to the decisions. Then you better stand on one side of the ground. You can't put one foot on both sides and say like, I'll see which side I want to jump depending on whatever is a human call.
0: The end result is so undesirable because it's sort of a Schrodinger's cat kind of a situation, which in this case, it is more like a Schrodinger's wicket. Yeah. Which Schrodinger was a, a philosopher or yeah. a the you know, cat on the wall, right? us cat basically was there's a cat in a box. Yeah. And until you open the box and see it, you oh. don't know if the cat is alive or dead. Right. So you, you're not able to predict it without opening the box. Right. So when you open it, the cat could be dead yeah. or could be alive. Yeah. So
1: what kind of, psych- how do you follow such psychopaths?
0: So, <laughs> you know, if you're looking at the box closed, huh. how can you confidently predict that the cat is alive or dead? Yeah. And this is exactly the same. Like it's out. If the umpire raises his finger, <laughs> and it's umpire's call but the same thing if the umpire did not raise his finger for whatever reason it's not out
1: yeah if you want to give credibility to the empire then remove the whole lbw equation from drs you can't contest an empire's call for an lbw remove that
0: i think what you mean is remove just the wickets hitting not hitting part but pitching in line impact yeah, outside if you, yeah if you want to check on that fair enough just those two factors and also that's it did it touch the bat or not
1: yeah did it touch the bat or not because it sometimes it happens that you know bats Edges the ball onto the pads and, and empires miss that yeah so if the batsman is really confident that yeah you know what the ball its my bat like i hit the ball first then he can kind of like go back because that's a human error which you can correct easily yeah right? so that's a fair thing but you know the whole simulation part and then the complication upon that Back, it was very simple. It was either missing or it was hitting. It's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. Now, there was a certain percentage or, you know, whatever for it to be considered as a proper hitting the wicket. Still fine. Mm. I don't have a problem with that. But yeah, I can probably debate on how much of the ball should hit the wicket for the bail to fall. It shouldn't be 50%. Probably 30% is enough. You got to give it hitting the wickets. Right. Right. So till that point, I'm fine. The ball hits the wicket enough. And still you are saying that, hey, but the empire thought, you know, it's like, mm. So you have to figure out those nitty gritties it makes the empire look so bad and you know what is happening what I feel is happening is as professional as these international empires are when they see it on the big screen and they're like hmm I should have given it out maybe and how much influence
0: does that have on the next decision on the next decision
1: it's so many times it happened that they gave a similar decision a completely different you know a similar uh, appeal a completely different decision
0: and we saw the exact scenario that you described play out in this series but we'll get to that in the next test when it happens yeah Um, it's a thai gap exclusive guys thigh yeah. gap has solved the A umpire's of, call question in yes. specific it's very simple for an lb appeal you have those three parameters that you check uh hitting you know, in line pitching
1: hit, in line hitting in line hitting in line and whether it nicked the bat or
0: not. so just remove the third aspect and go with the umpire if the umpire says it's out check the first two and then check if it hit the bat or not and that's it you're good to yeah. go
1: yeah Absolutely. You're welcome, cricket. We are raising petition, so please everybody sign.
0: Now, one of the special moments for me, a guy who likes to follow the story or chase the human element Mm -hmm. in a test series like this, that started giving that indication of a changed Indian side, or you know, just different noise, just the feeling that there's something special going on here, there's something different going on here, which is in the second uh, innings, uh, Umesh Yadav walks out, and (laughs) what makes it even more disappointing is because the kind of it, he gets the from- rhythm. I mean the kind of uh, the way he got Joe Burns out. Yeah. That ball that he bowled to get Joe Burns out. Joe Burns might call it the ball of the series. Yeah, <laughs>
1: Joe, it is the ball of the series for
0: Joe Burns. For Joe Burns.
1: But but otherwise also I think it was a ball of the series. It, it was. It was one amazing. Of the, it was a poetic ball. I mean. Yeah. The only other instance where I saw such a ball being bowled was from another similar bowler mm-hmm. called Ajit Agarkar in a one-day match. Mm. He bowls it against Callis uh, in. South Africa, if I'm not, the ball pitches on the middle stump, clips the off stump. That's mm-hmm. all it does. That's the only amount of movement it does. Mm-hmm. And Callis literally kind of like raises his eyebrow as soon as he plays the shot. He knows he got out and he's just like, mm, that was a great ball. And Absolutely. For a, for a guy like Callis to say that, unplayable yeah. deliveries. Yeah.
0: And Umesh Radhaf's governing planets just happened to align yeah, in the perfect position. And he got that one channel ball yeah, where he kind of looked like an Australian baller yeah. um, <laughs> for the first time. But for him to walk out just after showing that kind of a delivery. I was, think he
1: put in too much into that one delivery. Maybe. Maybe like the, all the juices of the body were... Right for that one delivery,
0: and this kicks off a trend yeah, for India where yeah. anytime we think we're going to go in with five bowlers, yeah, uh, the powers that be, nature as it is, yeah. says sorry, that's not that's not according to the script. Ain't gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> it's only four for you. Yeah, that's your quota. <laughs> So one has to die. One yeah. has to be sacrificed yeah. at the altar for you to win the series, basically. Yeah. And so Umesh Yadav <laughs> walks out, but then the special moment. What do the rest of these guys do?
1: I think more than the rest of... First of all, big credit to Bharat Arun mm-hmm. for the way he, I think, handled the troops. In this case, the ballers. And the other big credit, now that I know a lot of the story that is happening in the, that happened in the background. Pumra. Yep. Again, not a very old guy, not a heavily experienced guy. He's got but like 17 tests, that's it. Actually coming out and telling everyone, saying that, hey guys, okay, forget about what we don't have. Mm-hmm. I think this is the same story that you are referring to. Exactly right? the same, yeah. And telling a bunch of guys like Mohamed Siraj, Ravinder jadeja Ashwin and Ashwin that, hey, you know what? We want to share the load. Yeah, we are going to do it together.
0: Yeah, let's help each other.
1: Which is exactly what the Australian bowlers probably should have done after the first test.
0: I was just going to get to that. But before we get to that, I just want to say Bumrah again, the yeah. maturity that he shows, yeah. deceptive. Just like Gill, Yeah, he
1: doesn't look like that mature guy, right? He young. just looks like that guy who's...
0: Like, on paper, this guy is young. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. have a lot of test matches. Yeah. But for him to come out and show that kind of a maturity... And maybe it's not just him. Maybe all of the guys decided this together. But now to the more important point that you said, which is... Throughout that match, ever since Umesh Yadav walked out... Body language you saw in the bowlers. Every time a bowler was walking back to his mark... Yeah. You had another bowler with arms on this guy's shoulder talking to him. I mean, they could just... Just be shooting the shit yeah it's not like every ball in a test match yeah they're going to be plotting and strategizing they
1: stood by each other
0: but just standing by each other and giving each other that company and you could see that camaraderie yeah between these bowlers. just four guys on the field uh even though the team is gelling well these guys have formed a mini unit or a group of themselves microculture that's micro-culture. very important right but did you see that in Australia?
1: Uh I didn't obviously that's an obvious answer don't ask me dumb questions like this. No it, it was, was hard it enough was for to everybody see. to see that which is what i'm saying right there was something missing i just didn't know at that point yeah. what was wrong you know there was so much happening right mm-hmm. that you were like okay you, you miss out on all these things but once everything was over and then you look back and then you see like okay oh maybe this is what you know wasn't there in the australian outfit
0: yeah, and yeah. forget about microculture. As a team itself, it was hard to see Australia like behaving but I, like the yeah, Australian. I mean, oil. like
1: I don't know how much to blame the baller. See, in an no, Australian no, no scenario. Yeah. All of them were supremely experienced guys. Yep. They were at the top of their form. Did they need more motivation was the question. The second thing is, which is an unanswered question even now, is mm-hmm. were they allowed to do what they want to do?
0: Ah, that becomes a bigger and bigger question yeah, as we go. Right? So
1: there were so many things in the Australian side. Now, when we look back, on the hind side, there are skeletons out of the closet. Yeah. The thing that I would definitely would have wanted to do is, like after the 36, being the Australian coach, I would have sat down with my bowlers and I would have said like, guys, see great job but forget about it. it's not happening again let's get to reality right we were lucky and this time we were on the right side but things that are going to change so we better be prepared i want you guys to go back to your rooms take a day or two off come back with at least four names that you will take responsibility to get them out
0: and we will go into depth into what exactly was probably going on in that australian dressing room in mm-hmm. the episodes to come yeah But you also were saying that you thought Jadeja was the X-factor player in Melbourne.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, elaborate on that a little bit.
1: See, the first innings, when he scored that 50, you mentioned one of the points that scoring a 50 for Australian batsmen was so tough. Yeah. Hence, the century is so important. And you also mentioned upon the point, if it was not a century, still it was a valuable innings because of the amount of balls he played. Mm -hmm. Right? From a Rahane's perspective. Mm Mm-hmm. Look at the number of balls Jadeja played. It was a very unnatural innings though it was unnatural for a Jedejah to play a knock like that like 130 odd balls for 50 runs or whatever right? he still looked comfortable Yeah, he was not baffled he looked like he finally matured as a batsman and I think this doesn't come down to this one innings this kind of a behavior I've been seeing him in Jedeja since that semi-finals with New Zealand uh, and ever since you see Jedeja, you know kind of doing justice to his batting skills which always were there but according to me they didn't materialize and I'm a firm believer that talent is fine but what matters is application at the end of the day yeah right which was a similar problem I was having with Yuvraj Singh back in the day. Enormous talent. Just didn't apply himself in the test arena. Where he would have been such a beautiful batsman. And Jedeja, it was a similar pattern that you were seeing. But now, you see the way he dealt the short pitch ball. You see the way he dealt with those outcutters for him. Which is the in cutters for the right-handed ballers. You see, like, yeah, you know what? This is what makes Indian lower order strong. Now, imagine a Jedeja and Pant together. And we have seen that in the last series. Yeah. When they scored like... 200-odd runs, uh, right, At this in the 7th and 8th-wicket partnership. Yeah. That is what you need. It's not just that 50 runs he scored. Add on another 20 runs to that because he saves those runs in the field. Yes. Add on another 20 runs because he allows that one or two runouts that happen which otherwise would not happen because yeah. of his rocket throw or how he reaches to the ball faster or so many things, right? Yeah. A guy like Jadeja is really important for any team, if you ask me. Every team should work on grooming a candidate like Jadeja. I mean, yeah,
0: he never looked uncomfortable until uh, Mitchell Stark decided to change his strategy, which was a winning strategy for him in the end. So credit to Stark for that. Uh, he bowled really well to Jadeja and he really uh, got him uh, locked in until he tried to whack one, which again, he really did whack it. He really did well. whack one he, he just did lost
1: one. out on the second he just uh, found second. the fielder yeah
0: but yeah runs wickets fielding runouts for someone who was described as a bits and pieces player Uh, he just came back and showed that you put all those bits and pieces together you're getting 360 degrees yeah and I don't
1: think that stands true that didn't stand true back then I know Uh, and it just is basically now stuck off from the wall or the paper wherever it is written
0: I don't think it has stuck off I think that from one side it's gone and stuck to the other end now which is why I take great pleasure in bringing that word again and again because now it's hitting the other side every time you bring up bits and pieces it's not Really, going towards Jadeja, right yeah, now. it's
1: going more towards the creator of that, that, quote, yeah. that quote, yeah.
0: Yeah. The only thing I would question Jadeja on is probably his hair, which is in some series it seems so straight, but in other series it is so curly that you can't imagine how it was straight you're, and how he maintained it. Please, but nothing on cricketing terms, yeah,
1: yeah, please. We are talking professional cricket here. Okay. Don't comment on my dashing point, suits and no, no, rippling my, muscles. I know.
0: But my point is just to illustrate that as far as his game is concerned. He's a human. God damn it. There is nothing to question him on no, as no, far as his game nothing, is concerned. Nothing. at all. It's absolutely holistic. Now, Brut, we came to the end of the Melbourne test. It was incredible to see India equalize the series in yep. the second match itself. Yeah, And we in the first part of our special, we talked about what was going on outside the cricketing world, what kind of commentary, what kind of predictions were being made during the Adelaide test, just in the aftermath of the Adelaide test. But that sort of seemed to change. The tables have turned. After Melbourne ended. The
1: tables have turned. I'll tell you how they have turned. Now Australia is looking weak from a batting perspective, which technically India was after the end of first test. Yeah. Without Virat Kohli and the whole gamut, right? Yeah. Now what has happened? We found a formidable opener in Shuman Gill. Ajinkya Rahane is back to runs. Your lower order is kind of power packed with Pant and Jadeja. And by the way, don't forget, Pant did score a bunch of runs. He scored about 28 runs and pretty confident runs. He didn't like scraped them through. He scored some good scoring shots, and he scored those twenty-eight odd runs, right?
0: And the biggest impact of his runs, especially, was the way he got them. You could see the Australian body language change, even though the number itself was small. Yeah. The way he got them.
1: Yeah. It's the same thing what Rahane did later on, right? Yeah. So Pant is again, he's the X factor. He's the true definition of X factor, right? Yeah. And uh, Rohit Sharma is coming back. Rohit Sharma is coming back. Yeah. Has just landed. So, okay. So, more questions towards Australian batting now. Now, look at the bowling. Umesh Yadav, just when he was hitting his rhythm, Mm. gets injured. Now, we have to get in a new bowler. So, who do we bring? We bring Navdeep Saini, who was technically the first pick before Siraj. But because of, you know, how he was playing in the warm-up matches and all that, Siraj got a nod ahead. Mm. But still, Saini brings in that extra yard of pace. So, we are technically not losing out on pace. Yeah. Because he bowls almost the same pace of Umesh Yadav. And uh, Saini is actually pretty handy with the bat he is not a guy who generally gives away his wicket that easy right so you also kind of get some you know wagging in the tail more wagging power in the tail right but the biggest plus is the hitman is coming back yes so that's how the tables have turned and most importantly the series stands 1-1
0: with india coming back to win the second test by 8 wickets comprehensively which was exactly the margin that australia had won the first test by absolutely 8 wickets absolutely. versus 8 wickets
1: and to sum it up two back to back Batting collapses of Australia. A lot of uncertainty. Smith still didn't take off. Only bright light is Matthew Wade. Mm-hmm. The problem of India is now the problem of Australia. They don't know who to open with. Yep. And uh, the lower orders, order still seems to be pretty weak.
0: Yeah. And we're going into Sydney, which is famously a favorite ground of uh, Steve Smith, but also a ground where Rohit Sharma loves to play. And a lot of other great things happened in the Sydney test absolutely. Which we will cover in part three of True Grit Down Under, a Thigh Gap special on the Border series 2021.
1: Please join us for the next episode of this special, the continuation of the series.
0: And so before we sign off, what do we always say, bro? Thigh Gap. Subscribe.
1: And share.
0: And share,
1: guys. Because we make everybody look good.
0: Yeah. Come around for part three. Hey, thanks for listening. You can follow this podcast on Spotify to get notified of new episodes every Thursday. We're also on Apple Podcasts for those of you who have partaken in the forbidden fruit. If you liked what you heard, leave us a five-star rating and a comment. Say anything like the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. A rating and a comment really helps us out. It's free and I'm told that's a great price. But enough about us, huh? Tell us about yourself. Leave us a comment. Our Twitter is at ThighGap and we are underscore ThighGap on Instagram.